<laughs> Jesus. It's like British in there. They name their shit after a, a, a kind of bird. Like a, it's the adjective bird word and then well yeah. sometimes it's the noun and noun yeah or okay. the uh, the the noble person and body part what like the king's head or the queen's face or whatever oh the noble oh. persons but i was thinking like the, the yeah. bishop and butthole <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty good I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 100 and I don't even know a video game's hot dog. 100 and some. 160. Oh, you put that on a sheet of paper on the wall for me so that I wouldn't sound like an idiot. No. But I mean, I thought 16 was one of your favorite numbers. Hmm. It's divisible by a lot of things. Yeah. It's also really not. The age of girls that you like? Yeah, it's the age of consent and 116? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Tennessee fucking sucks. <laughs> Why do you think I left? Uh, how's it going, guys? It's going all right. Yeah, it's good. I'm, uh, I've been climbing a lot, which I have been enjoying. Yeah, I've been with you. Yeah. Every time except one. Yeah. We, run, we go up the walls, and then we go down the walls on a rope. That's and true. then sometimes there are screaming, obnoxious children there. You know, every time I see a group of, like, 15 kids, there's one kid who totally has their shit together, and I think... Like, in life, or just in the activity that they're doing? Well, I think that there is a correspondence between those two things, right? Okay. I think that they they have their shit together enough that they're like, well, I'm here, I should do what we do here, and so they learn what they're doing, and they listen to the people who are teaching them how to do stuff, and they don't just scream and fuck around and... dick with everything and get in everybody's way they're actually like okay and those kids you can just tell those kids are going to be successful and these other kids may or may not I wasn't (laughs) one of those kids I was not one of those kids you were one of those kids I bet I bet you were not an obnoxious I was definitely not an obnoxious dilettante kid I was I was horrible I was the worst kid yeah yeah oh Jesus Christ I was a smart ass I I would just never shut up I would you know, it was like, oh, I want an ice cream cone, but then I would only eat one bite of the ice cream cone, and <sighs> just like somebody would have to deal with the ice cream. No, I know, <sighs> I know, I was the worst. I, I was the worst. <laughs> huh? So, what I think this proves is not that you can't predict based on whether a little kid has their shit together, whether they'll be successful later in life. Uh, what it proves is that uh, success does not account for reason. Success just doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that that too. Uh, okay, here's the question. Who do you think those kids who had their shit together are happier in life or not? Probably not. Okay. But they get more done. Okay. But, you know? but if one of the things that leads to satisfaction in life is the sense of accomplishment, then maybe they have a higher chance of being happier. Do you think that enjoying a sense of accomplishment after accomplishing something counts as happiness? Mm-hmm. Does it? Yeah. I guess if if you I guess I sort of think of satisfaction and happiness as being on on two different related but orthogonal axes and satisfaction huh. is satisfaction is easy because you just work for it. Happiness I feel like maybe has to come from like, you know, oh, this kitten likes me. No, see I think that's relying on external things. Like I think what what people want in terms of of 
sort of fulfilling their deepest desires is a sense of connection to other people and a sense of accomplishment in the world. Self-actualization. Yeah. Yeah. And what's up, Maslow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would say not, like happiness is a more is not a hierarchy is a more general thing. category that can contain both satisfaction or like I don't know if you want to call kitten love like joy say kitten of joy okay yeah joy joy and happiness are different things exuberance is different than moment to moment just sort of satisfaction with life sure which is sort of what I view happiness as being really well anyway these kids and you know what was interesting uh, to me uh, both girls the ones that like really seriously mm. had their shit together out of the groups of kids or both girls. And I think partially that's like, like girls mature faster. Yeah. Like I, I don't know why that is, but I mean, maybe it's just, you have to put up with more shit as a little girl. That's possible. And so you just very quickly are like, all right, well, I'm just going to decide what I'm going to do with this world that's presenting itself to me. And as opposed to just like as a, as a boy, since, I don't know. You, I guess you're just like, like societally, you just get away with more shit. So you don't have to, you don't have anything to prove. Mm. You know, you don't, you don't sort of like boys start, will be boys. You don't start with that weird chip on your shoulder because nobody, nobody is willing to tolerate you having a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe you just sort of have to. Eh, I don't know. There's a pretty significant climbing ability being demonstrated in some little kids, which was strangely contrasted next to just the gaggle of dipshits they were surrounded by <laughs> right you know but it's like there were some there were some like i could just and this was weird i could sort of eyeball those kids and i'm like all right that one he can decide when they're ready and he can start climbing the other one there is no fucking way that kid should start going up that wall without the guy who works here checking to make sure that his shit is tied correctly and right. that somebody's paying attention to belay him like and it was it's just it's weird and I mean, I guess maybe with like a group of seven-year-old kids, like some of them are gonna have their shit together and some of them aren't. And I mean, some of them are holding down jobs. That's true. Rent. That's true. And I mean, some of them, you know, in living off of food another stamps. part of the world would be sewing soccer balls and, yep. you know, swimming in toilets. I don't really remember anything about, um, including the name Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. Is that the movie? Yeah. Well, that was a movie. Yeah. Where a kid dives, in, in kid dives into a toilet because he wants to high five Eric Estrada. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. That's pretty good. Are you thinking so maybe climbing? of train spotting? Okay. That too. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's when the baby Look, crawls out. I didn't out of the make toilet, up right? the scene in Darjeeling Limited where the guy. No, I'm thinking of Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. I've never seen Darjeeling Limited. Yeah, Slumdog Millionaire is the one where the kid was, dives into like, the toilet because he wants to high five Eric movie. Estrada. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Ah, <laughs> oh, that chaiwala. Yeah. Uh, so, d do you bring up climbing for any reason, or? No, it's just you were asking what I've been doing, and that's I've been excited about that a lot lately. It's good. Um, you're 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 running out of ATP. You're blasting yeah, your forearms. Jesus. <laughs> I I like I have not gone climbing and just ex been exhausted lately and uh, that happened the other the day lactic yeah, we acid building mom. up we were, in your muscles we were showing yeah. off for my mom and we climbed like twice as long as we normally do and then we were both like fuck super sore yeah <laughs> and then like we're gonna get burritos i i really think that there is probably a significant overlap between the people that like video games and the people that would like rock climbing because 
rock climbing has a bunch of numbers associated with it that you can get that you can watch get big. I think we've made this discussion. We've had this discussion before. But, yeah. But like, it's just it's got a bunch of puzzle type situations. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing that just on its surface is of interest to like a video game nerd because you're like, oh yeah, man, I remember that part of Conan the Barbarian where they did something kind of similar to this. Right? <laughs> Every once in a while. I find myself thinking about like the differences between what we're doing and what this would actually be like back in Conan the Barbarian days when people <laughs> regularly had to like scale things for a purpose. And then I think almost no one in human history actually had to do this for any reason. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Was there, really like, definitely... a Native American rite of passage where you had to get an eagle feather out of an eagle nest or something? I think I I would be super pissed and super disappointed in Native Americans if most of them didn't cheat at that. <laughs> Boy, just that, like killing an eagle and plucking it. <laughs> well, or just finding a feather that fell out of an eagle somewhere, right? I mean, that seems like the kind of thing where it's it like years. It, it's like a hazing ritual more than a kind of <laughs> ritual where it's like you know, like oh, whoa, that guy actually found some headlight fluid. Yeah, <laughs> like. <laughs> You're the king now. <laughs> like, Somebody, I, oh, yeah, think, no, I, just, I think it might have been my friend factory. Mark actually uh, made a bucket of checkerboard paint at one point by like making like a cardboard grid inside it and filling the spaces with different colors and then pulling the cardboard out real fast and showing it off before it all blended together. Did he also have a pet snipe that he had caught? <laughs> <laughs> You know that what snipe, he did is, was, snipe is a real He weakened bird, it with a left-handed way. smoke shifter. Yeah. <laughs> Three-handed moss-covered credenza. Yeah. Um, man, I hate that shit. <laughs> Hazing? Yeah. You hate, you hate people telling you things that aren't true. I do. I do. Yeah. Like, I don't, mind, I don't just, mind somebody calling you a pussy to get you to work harder, you know? But I definitely mind somebody lying to you so that they and their buddies can laugh about the fact that you were credulous because you fucking trust people. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing that just drives me nuts. Yeah. That's just making fun. Kind of mind a prank? Being, what you know? Like good people. Pull my pants down in front of other dudes. That I get super excited about. Like you know, <laughs> fucking dump some water on me. Dump some water on me while I'm asleep. But don't don't lie to me just because it's funny to lie. Can you? you know? Are you okay with somebody putting your hand in a? bowl of water while you're sleeping is that a real thing i mean i i could put your hand in a bowl of water that is definitely a real thing well no i know but i mean would i like, would it cause you to do yeah, anything is that a real thing like i that because that seems apocryphal i don't know because what do you want to test this what possible purpose could that like reflex Serve. Do you, I mean, is it a reflex or is it just some sort of weird trigger? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, are you tricking them into thinking that their hand is on their dick? And like, oh, when this happens, I'm <laughs> peeing <laughs> some of the time. <laughs> I don't, I like, and this is why I don't believe that it's a real thing. I Because like, you can't imagine the mechanism by which I've it heard works. about it. I've heard about it, but I've never known anyone who said we did this and it worked. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so there's this weird sort of dichotomy between, like, urban legends that get passed around even though they are just completely patently false and things that get passed around because there is a grain of truth to them and 
they are repeated over and over again because they right. actually work. Like the Bloody Mary thing, totally real. Right. I know a guy. Well, I mean, you, what, you take some vodka so, and really, some tomato juice. So the thing is, I knew a girl who got a hot dog stuck in her vagina, and then she said Bloody Mary in front of a mirror three times, and uh, it actually cut the hot dog out of her vagina so she didn't have to have it surgically removed. Huh. <laughs> uh, apparently, totally happened to a friend uh, of my cousin. Apparently they tested the bowl of water thing on Mythbusters and it didn't work. Yeah, okay. That makes okay. sense. So that's a good myth for them to bust. Yeah. Although, you know, it's not science. No, not even a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, I don't know. What, what have you been up to? Same shit. Working. Yeah? Working, climbing, walking around the streets of San Francisco. Took Emily to the doctor to get her ear removed. Cool. You'll probably hear about that on Video Games Taco. One well, ear, they won't, they won't be able to hear her. anything on yeah. Video Games Taco. Well, she won't be able to hear it. Okay. She doesn't listen to it anyway. I think she's too self-conscious. Um, so that was good. Went to a, been going to a lot of good restaurants. That's yeah. a thing that there's no shortage of here. I went to a uh, I went to a postal service concert. Yeah, how was that? It was great. Did you become silhouettes when your body finally went? Yeah, it was nice. Did, was the district asleep, and uh, did you get in trouble for waking them with the noise of the concert? Uh, no. Um, did was... you have seats close to the stage, or were they at such great heights? <laughs> That is officially all of the good. postal service okay. songs that I can. Uh, <laughs> we had a, we had actually a really good. We were we were in a really good position. We were. Uh, th- it was a neat theater. It's the I guess the Greek theater at uh, up in up at Berkeley, UC Berkeley, which is an outdoor uh, theater where there's like a relatively large flat area at the bottom that you can just sort of stand in, sort of like a pit area, and then a small rise beyond that where you can sit or stand, and then sort of like stone benches that come in sort of a semicircle around the stage. Um, and it was just, it was a pretty night and the, the opening acts were, were good, not like spectacular, but then the, the postal service show was really good. They're, they have like a really awesome light show that they bring with them. That's really neat. Um, if like, guys are carrying a coffin and they need to go uh, to a, to a, to a, like an area of the floor that is higher than the one that they start on, do you yeah. think they would use some sort of a Paul riser <laughs> to get there? <laughs> oh. It's possible. It is. It is possible. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't regret interrupting your story to make that joke, but uh, <laughs> it's not am, really interrupting. I was basically done. I am sorry. <laughs> what have you been up to, Riff? Oh, uh, pretty much nothing. Basically, just video games. I guess I kind of did a little bit of uh, live action uh, viscera cleanup detail. By by which I mean I mopped the kitchen floor. So uh, that's, was it that's covered a good in story. viscera? No, I I spilled some uh, raspberry iced tea and it was kind of it kind of looked red. Were you spelling out messages? Because I hear that that's a thing thing fi- now. Filling out messages. Spelling out messages with the the tea. Hmm. So in in the game that there are gonna be there's gonna be like blood graffiti and you can remove it one letter at a time. Oh yes. Uh, no, but I have played the, the new version of Viscera Cleanup Detail in which that appears. It's pretty cool. Okay. All right. They did make each is individual it, letter its own blood, spat, blood splat. Do they, they have also, like a graffiti that has the word fart in it and a trophy for wiping off everything except the word fart? <laughs> they should. Kind of and then another one. You could probably just, suggest just that art. to them. They added uh, empty Chinese takeout cartons all over the floor for you to pick up. 
What it's do a you, great game. What do, you, what do you do with them? You uh, you put them in the incinerator. Yeah. Hmm. I this game. I'm is totally weird. not being sar- sarcastic when I say it's a great game. I know. Would it you guys sound like it makes any sense? <laughs> All right, Kevin. This is a thing that you would probably be able to explain to me. <clears throat> when I think about a mop and a mop bucket and mopping, yes, uh-huh. I think no, thank you. <laughs> I don't understand how this accomplishes a goddamn thing other than just taking all of the gross shit that's on the floor, yep. thinning it out into a soup, <laughs> and then drying a thin layer of that soup onto the floor after you're done. Well, you, because you need the to mop replace, is absorbent. You need, to, uh, you need to replace the mop water eventually, but for a while, right, it's still right. like soap is a surfactant, right? Surf, soap is going to break apart... Uh, the like gross oils and stuff like that that you're cleaning off the floor for a while but then once it stops having any sort of that soapy action to it you need to dump it out and get some new mop bucket water so you're saying you get oil onto the mop and then you dip it in the soap and then the soap takes the oil off of the mop kind of how does it know how does what know (laughs) well when you got a mop in the soap bucket the water bucket how does the mop know to get clean water and not gross water it's just water Right, like, w- would you drink it? No. So it's not just I mean, water, you fucking liar. <laughs> I wouldn't drink the the fresh soap water either, though. Yeah. So, mopping is not to remove every bit of dirt from the floor, it's or to, any of the dirt from. It the is floor. to clean off the the largest sections of grossness, right? Like it's. So most, here's, most cleaning that we do is just to provide an appearance of cleanliness. Here's, here's a thing that I can imagine. Here's a way of cleaning a floor that I could imagine actually working. Okay. You get a paper towel yep. and some 409. Yeah. You spray the 409 or any sort of any sort of degreaser, any sort of like a, like a caustic, you know, a, yep. a, like... Cleansing spray, product. Spray it on the floor. Wipe a section of the floor with the paper towel. And then throw the paper towel away. Okay. A mop is like a paper towel that doesn't have any 409 on it, and you never throw it away. So you have a giant closet full of towels that you throw away after every time you wipe a portion of your body with one. No, I wash them because they're gross. Well, but how do you wash them? You put them in a container. Yeah. You knock loose all the shit and then well, you drain all the shit away. Well, but you You don't keep dipping the towels in you cannot clean a towel by constantly dipping See, the, it in soup. The problem that I'm having here is that like the the more that we talk about this, the more I think you're going to just realize that nothing is ever ever clean, right? Because <laughs> you put you put them I mean, in that soup, all of the like dirt and shit that's on all of the different things just gets evenly distributed amongst all of your clothes because they're all still still have it absorbed here's the thing i understand how washing so i've washed dishes at at a restaurant yeah right you have three sinks yeah you've got the sink with the dishwater in it where you wash stuff and then you've got another sink where you rinse it and then you've got another sink where you rinse it again yeah mopping is like washing a dish and then rinsing it off in the same gross water, and then rinsing it off in the same gross water again, and then just fucking leaving it in there. When you mop, do you not squeeze, 
squish the mop, most of the water out of the mop. You squish you most of the water out. Of, you squish the water and the filth out of the mop into a big container that you then just dip the fucking mop back into to get well, more of the filth off. Yeah, that, I mean, part of this is the the mop bucket does not turn all of it in. Does not automatically turn into soup when you dip your first mop load in. There's enough water and soap in there that. You've you've got a few mop worths of grime before the water becomes noticeably dirty. I guess here's my here's my problem. If you have say the floor of a restaurant and you drop a hamburger patty on the floor of the restaurant, right. you could mop a billion times and that hamburger patty would still be there. You don't start with mopping. You start with sweeping and then you mop. Hmm. Right. Mopping is to get the stuff that the broom cannot remove. Like a hamburger patty. Like a hamburger <laughs> patty. Okay. Yeah. Yes. This is why I was not very good at my job <laughs> when part of my job was mopping the floor. Because you just were like, this was, I'm done because there's nothing I can do. <laughs> like, so I can understand why. So like you, you get like a Swiffer, right? Yep. A mop where part of it is disposable. Part of it gets logged with filth, and then you throw that away so that the filth is gone. I could, I can imagine mopping if your mop bucket was a sink that was running the entire time, right? You have a sink that you shove the mop in the sink, and this, I do this sometimes, right? This is how I mop. You run the sink, you shove the mop into the sink, get all the shit off of it, Make you it turn, so the mop is you clean. You turn the garbage water. disposal on. Yeah, you turn the, dis- the garbage <laughs> disposal on. Buy a new mop. Yeah. It's a good but thing you had that wood chipper installed in your sink. The instant that you reuse the mop once, the the instant that you take some water that you just put some filth in and mm-hmm. then put that water somewhere else on the floor, the whole exercise is pointless. That's All just- you're doing is moving filth around if the filth doesn't go away. Like if it doesn't go down a toilet or into a trash can or down a drain. So, okay, here's a question. Have you seen a floor before it is mopped and after it is mopped? Yes, and they looked identical because I'm terrible at mopping. And I don't because I don't understand the point of it. Because that is where I would say it is obvious to me when there is a dirty floor that is... It was obvious to my bosses, too, that I was not doing a good job of mopping the floor, and I just didn't understand. Pre-mopping and then post-mopping, you know. So here's a question. If you mopped a floor, and then you drained the bucket and put new clean water in it, and then you mopped it a second time, would that be cleaner if you did it it would be cleaner if you did that a hundred times it would be clean huh okay i think part of this also is that you don't you're not aiming for like sterility you're you're not cleaning the floor the way you would clean a plate that you're eating off of you just want it to be visually clean it is the fucking floor it is going to be filthy yeah 90 percent of the time but for those five minutes after you've mopped it looks relatively clean Mm-hmm. Is, is that okay? <clears throat> you know, if there were two, if there were two mop buckets, uh-huh. a dirty one and a clean one, it would make sense to me. But since there more, is only more one, sense, but it would no, still no. It as it stands, mopping to me seems one hundred percent pointless. <sighs> wow. And it's because I don't understand how it works. It's clearly because I don't understand how I it mean, works. I mean, it's but it, like that's the thing. It, it obviously 
gets rid of it doesn't get rid of i mean it it does it you are you are probably technically right it is just taking those big stains and spreading them out so so that you can't see them anymore. that you can't see them anymore okay but that's all that if you lick wants. the floor it still tastes like weak barbecue sauce everywhere sure. instead of tasting like <laughs> delicious barbecue sauce in one spot right yeah okay <laughs> But that's what people want, right? Like they don't—they just want the floor to not. But that's look what like your stupid boss wants. Shit. <sighs> Have you guys been playing any video games? Besides Viscera Cleanup, yeah, besides detail? Barbecue Restaurant Mop <laughs> Simulator, <laughs> I played a bunch of yeah. Shadowrun. Yeah, me too. Oh yeah. What'd you think, Griff? I think it was pretty awesome, and I am super excited for some people to come out with like new. Uh, new modules and interpretations of classic modules and stuff. Did you beat the campaign? I am, my save point is what I assume is right before the final boss. Oh, I don't know how, I don't have any sense of how long it is. I, yeah, uh, it was, it's actually surprised me. I think like twice before the point where I am now, I was like, oh, okay, this must be the final dungeon. Oh, okay, this must be the final dungeon. Oh, so we're... <laughs> <laughs> where uh, I, so I did the I did the graveyard thing where I like that the the wrap up on the zombies is on the graveyard is like oh yeah those zombies that was unrelated to yeah. what was happening here <laughs> it's just it's like a coincidence that there were some zombies all right cool thanks game narrative um, so I did that and then I think I, I think I went into I went into the mental hospital that was after that right mm-hmm. um. Yeah, I, I, how close is the mental hospital to the end of the game, uh, to your See, understanding? mental hospital. Do you... I don't remember explicitly... Oh, okay, okay, I do know what you mean, mental hospital. Uh, wow, the mental hospital is still pretty early, actually. Huh. You you felt like you were getting through pretty close to the end. I yeah, think. I felt like I was... I mean, I feel like I'm like six hours in. I think the mental hospital... The boss at the end of the mont of the mental hospital is the first time that I I assumed that it was done. <laughs> I believe. Mm. Hmm. So I am not like I like it. it I don't mind. Ugh, fuck! I'm gonna I'm gonna just try and start this sentence over ten more times. I don't tend to like RPGs where the combat is tactical and you're controlling more than one dude. Mm-hmm. Right, my my controlling more than one dude. I prefer it, Might and Magic Three, where you might as well just be one dude with six dicks, each of which was either a wizard or a barbarian. <laughs> um, but it like this has taken a leaf from XCOM and simplified the tactical combat. Yeah, it's down very to straightforward. Where, yeah, like I, the thing that I think makes the difference in my mind, just cognitively, in a way that, like, the combat in Fallout and Fallout 2, I find to just be unbearably tedious and fiddly, and the combat in this is pretty good, is that instead of having 14 action points and every space you move uses one and shooting uses seven, you have two action points Mm. and shooting uses one and there's a range that you can move to for one and there's a range that you can move to for two. Yeah. Like, just spelling that out, like making it into a thing where you're just making a handful of, like, discrete, comprehensible moves, as opposed to, like, making a bunch of minute tactical decisions on a spectrum. I 
how do you feel about it as as an RPG? Like the actual meta game, like the the decisions that you're making and the stuff that you're doing that doesn't involve like buying equipment and huh. fighting monsters. I don't know. I guess I would have to play through it again and try different different choices to really say. Do you feel that you're making choices? I mean, I guess that's the that's the question to me. Every dialogue tree seems to be identical and perfectly shallow. Like there is only one outcome to every dialogue and everything else is just go there, get a line, come back to Maine. And in all of the missions, there is like maybe one container that you can loot and one thing that you can interact with that you probably have to interact with to solve the quest. And like, there's that first set of streets where there's a couple dudes with side quests. And those were sort of a thing, but then that just never happened again. Like, there, there hasn't ever been a time since then where I had more than one objective, I don't think. Um, I've had handfuls at various times, but I think they may have been sub-objectives rather than pure side stuff. I mean, do you think a second playthrough is going to be any different than the first playthrough? I guess that's the that is the 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 pudding in which yeah, the proof I'm must not sure. Be. Maybe not. It or well, hmm. it depends on how they react to my not. If I did a second my my current playthrough, I'm a decker. So how does the game react to me not being able to go into the matrix myself? Would would be a difference. So I mean, Johnny Clean does stuff for you. There's another time where in the in the mental hospital there's like a girl that you rescue who will then go into the matrix for you okay. to open a door. That was one so the thing that I think Kevin will agree with me is cool about Shadowrun is the idea that it's like it's like Tron, right? It's like the Tron thing where the story is in this is what's happening on the outside. This is what's happening on the inside of the computer. And these are the ways in which like the personalities of these people are interacting across that border right. and causality is reacting across that border. And that's, what's cool about Shadowrun is that somebody is in cyberspace the entire time. And it's like, maybe the guy in the real world with the gun has to protect him so that nobody fucks with him and jacks him out. Mm-hmm. But he is messing around fighting these ices so that he can unlock the doors that you're going into and whatever. And that's what a good Shadowrun campaign is in pen and paper, is you sort of managing a team. And then I guess there's also the spirit world stuff, right? right? If you have a, if you have a shaman. And so far, the only time that this campaign has done that is in that segment in the hospital where there's these monsters that come out. No, it wasn't the hospital. It was the, it was the uh, Universal Brotherhood thing okay. where the bugs are. So the bugs come out, and you fight them, and then it's like, all right, well, uh, spoiler alert, these bugs are immortal. So as soon as you kill them, they just turn into these spirits of themselves, and then suddenly, two of your characters, or three of your characters, or whatever, are in the real world, fighting these things that you can't kill, and one of your characters is in the Matrix, trying to open the door. And I was like, all right, well, this is pretty Shadowrun, except that all you're doing is waiting for it to be the Matrix person's turn 
so mm. that they can make progress towards your only meaningful goal. Because the only thing the people in the real world are doing is fighting against these things that cannot be killed. There's another point later on in an uh, office building where the the non-deckers actually have to defend the room against an oncoming tide of guards while the decker gets to and disables the elevator controls so that so that no more of those guys can show up. They're yeah, I guess if the bugs up. had been trying to attack the girl who was decking, it would have been there would have at least been a reason, right? But that, and I mean, I guess maybe under certain circumstances they would have been, but just the way that, because I was like, all right, well, pretty clear I'm supposed to exit because there's only like four things that when you hit alt have a little interaction icon over them. Oh, you can hit alt to get that icon? Oh man, I wish I'd known that. <laughs> I've been yeah, sitting kind of like waving my mouse around hoping they would all show up again. Ah, uh, yeah, that's super frustrating. Like <laughs> some there are some things about the interface that are really fr- like what what I actually think is kind of neat about this game is that there are things about it that just demonstrate that it is like this is a game that costs some small number of hundreds of thousands of dollars to make. So Mm -hmm. this is a game like you would have expected to see come out in like 1998, you know, and it's got the technical limitations thereof. And it's like got some interface weirdness and it's got some like, you know, sometimes your guys are still in tactical combat mode, even though they really shouldn't be because Mm. they didn't have a whole lot of time to. That was, that was the thing I missed coming from fallout. Uh, one and two combat to this was that you can't you can't turn off tactical mode and then have it come back on when that one guy that's wandering on the other side of the building shows up yeah but so i'm enjoying playing it on easy or normal or i think i play i'm playing it on normal because you don't have to take a full complement of runners with you and mm. you just can survive the combats I played on hard until I got to the graveyard, and I couldn't beat the graveyard and had to go down to normal. I mean, they're kind of they're kind of hamstrung in terms of doing a lot of interesting, sprawling RPG stuff because of the level structure, right? Like you go through a level and then you're done, mm-hmm. and you move yeah. on to the next one. The and there's no of it. there isn't really any concept of like a hub that you can go in and out of to do different things. I mean there there might be. I don't know how the I don't know how the scripting works. You know, you you are you have a like a home based location, but it's basically a different level every time you go there. Yeah. Because the, the guys the have NPCs different things to say to you. The NPCs are all yeah. different. Yeah. Like it's you know, I don't know. It it is if it gets a dedicated community of fans making cool shit for it, then there is gonna be a lot of cool shit for it. Yep. Like if you can, if you can, and I think you can, like import your own models and stuff. Although no, maybe I read that like there's some limitation of Unity that makes that more of a Harder. problem. Yeah, I saw somebody posted on the on the the shop or whatever some new texture designs, but I haven't seen any models though. Yeah, they uh, they raised one point eight million dollars. Oh wow, Kickstarter. Jesus. So, that's a lot more than I expected. They asked for 400k. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, so the, their stretch goals were all like additional new campaigns, campaigns stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. So that, I mean, that makes sense, right? Like, like that actually seems like they 
restrained their ambition with the engine and actually like delivered a product that yeah i mean there, i remember there there was a bit of sort of ire that all the things that they had done as stretch goals were not being released with the initial release of the game but we were instead going to be dlc um but i i think this is a much more logical and much sort of more fulfilling way to to do the game because you'll come back to it and be excited by it again multiple times now it's obvious from looking at the menu of this game that it's like you're not you don't hit start game you hit load this particular campaign from a list that right now only has one yep. campaign in right. it but it's like ah, okay like this is pretty clearly like designed from the ground up to support you know it's like the neverwinter nights of hmm. shadowrun video games right seems like i cannot imagine playing the game in any other way than being like gun dude mm. and i've heard, I- i've heard that it leveled as a complaint that like the the systems really heavily favor gun combat over anything else i've been i haven't put a ton of points into guns i mean i put a bunch of point i i've put all my points go into like decking and assault rifle i guess so i've so i've been i've been not pure guns but i've been doing some guns i've only done like quickness and ranged weapons and pistols I, I play Shadowrun Returns like I play Alpha Protocol. You don't need anything other than pistols. <laughs> and that's it. Well, do you have any other thoughts on it, Riff? Mm, I think we pretty much covered everything. What else have you been playing? That's pretty much it. I mean, the usual suspects, Minecraft and Animal Crossing and stuff the usual suspects change over time with you it'd be neat to see a graph the currently usual suspects (laughs) has anything exciting happened in animal crossing new leaf don't answer that riff i know the answer is no what about you kevin uh i'm just gonna keep pulling going back to my california extreme do it uh list um so a game that I played early on uh, was this game, which had, I thought, one of the best names of a video game that I've encountered. Uh, it's called The Irritating Maze. <laughs> um, and I'd never seen it before. It is, It was a trackball controller, and you... They, um, it's basically like controlling just like a cursor on a screen, but their narrative was pretty great. It was, uh, it was you holding what is obviously a lightsaber, but they don't want to be sued, so they call it a fright saber. Okay. And then you orient it so that it's facing down into this like sort of grid of a maze thing, and I don't know why you are holding your lightsaber sort of blade down in this weird maze thing, but that's, that's sort of the narrative reason. Anyway, you're moving this cursor around. If you touch the walls you lose it and if there's like there's moving parts of the maze and stuff like that so it's it, there's some challenge to it um but if you lose if you if you uh get sent back to the beginning of the game it uh it just blasts your face with this like l- sort of very obnoxious uh, current of air <laughs> <laughs> huh. so it is both irritating in in terms of its level design <laughs> and just just in the physical world it is really irritating every time you make a mistake to just get like buffeted by wind <laughs> I think, and, and I, 
our listeners will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that in the in the late '90s or early 2000s, there was a Japanese game show called Irritating Stick. Oh yeah, where you were holding a thing and you had to navigate a physical maze with it without touching sort any of, like, of the edges in it because it would shock you. Okay. It would shock you if you fucked up. And then there were a couple of video games based on that. Okay. Huh. That explains um, the the provenance a little bit more. That's that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So it's like it's like uh operation. But yeah, except but it hurts game you. Show. Yeah, it hurts <laughs> you when you. And I, and then I think there are like dudes yelling at you and maybe like they bring in kids to fart in your face and stuff. Okay. Like, like you know, it's typical Japanese television shit. And there are guys in black suits doing cool Matrix ping pong skits. Uh, let's see here. What and the else algorithm dance? Did I play? <laughs> um, did you play Phoenix at all when you were there? Uh, P H O E N I X. Yes, I played it when I was a kid. A lot. Okay, so it's it's sort of Galaga like in some ways, but all the all the enemies are like birds. Sometimes oh, yeah. they start as eggs. I think I played that exactly. It's more it's more gorfy because there are there are discrete stages that you go through. Sure. Yeah. But they're they're up they're up top in general and they come down in either singles or waves and it's got, got weird got controls, right? Because there's a button to go left and a button to go right. It's like defender style controls. Okay. There's no joystick, right? It's like it's I, like I don't just remember. I didn't left and right buttons and then a shoot button. Yeah. Um, um, that's that game was like I played that when I was a kid and the the level where you're like shooting there's a just a big UFO and you're shooting like sort of breakout style destroying little bits of it like every fourth stage is like the boss stage and you're trying mm-hmm. to sort of chip your way through and like beat the alien guy that's in the middle of it and that was like that was like super influential of my like I used to like draw that ship on like sheets of notebook paper and then shoot it with a BB gun. Oh. <laughs> trying to like like just try and make little games on paper where you'd shoot it with a BB gun or throw darts at it. Like tape it to the dartboard and throw darts at it. And it's like like what I didn't realize was like if I'm coming at it from uh, from the third dimension doesn't matter how big the, the ship is, right? Right, like because <laughs> the stuff that's underneath the bullseye, are, it's not actually in the way, right? Of the, I, I had a lot to learn about game design. I remember making like little, little war scenes on paper. I would, I'd make tanks and armies and stuff like that, and then I would just sort of play them out as mm. if they were just like draw little the shots and, then and stuff. scribble yeah, yeah. over the guys. That, yeah, and that was a lot of fun. It passed a lot of time when I'd, I was in class. I tended to draw like side view bases with mm-hmm. little stick figure dudes in them, yep. but there was never really any action happening because I didn't want to like fuck up the things the that drawing. I had drawn. Yeah, the drawings like, always like, ended up being just ruined, but yeah, they were fun sort of interactive pieces. Um, yeah, there were like every fourth or fifth stage in Phoenix, there was this weird. It changed changed pretty dramatically to a sort of more defender like level, except for the opposite, like. Um, or maybe not Defender, maybe it was Missile Command or whatever, where you were trying to blow up bases instead of the other way, or instead of the really? other way. Yeah, there was, there was, like, the game changed, had a totally different style for at least one level, um, which was interesting. Um, I'd have to go back and play it again. It's, it's been, now that it's been, like, three or four weeks, I'm, I've, my memory is already starting to fade on some of these. Um, spiders, did you play Spiders at all? 
You know, I played spiders once, but it, the horizontal hold was oh, all yeah, fucked up. Game, so it was it, like, it, yeah, it, it was, it was like left the, relatively early because it yeah. got fucked up. Um, it it was it reminded me of Centipede in the way that it sort of started, but then it it got weird. It was instead of being a an obvious grid of stuff, it was this weird sort of nebulous network of stuff. It like there were these. I don't know if they were seeds or exactly what yeah, they were supposed to be, but egg things. Yeah, and they would sort of expand out into these webs, and you could shoot them to get rid of the webbing and the, the sort of the kernels, which would is eventually the whole point of the level was to, to clear the whole screen or whatever. But um, while that was happening, all kinds of stuff would be dropping down at you or being shot at you. Yeah, it was like centipede. If the mushrooms were like. Sort of self-replicating, yeah, in and a kind of a binary in tree. circles and stuff, yeah. yeah. And it was—I mean, it was interesting. I, it was—I think Centipede was very accessible, and it was sort of very clear what was going on. But and Spiders was a little bit less intuitively obvious. It was even harder for me to comprehend it because the middle of the screen was actually the left side of the screen, and the. There was a weird rollover right. because it was just offset by half a screen. And there was a significant chunk of the middle that you just couldn't see. Right. Because it was, I don't know, being projected onto the side of the CRT instead of the part that actually had the phosphorus on it. There was a whole section of games at uh, California Extreme that was just vector graphics games, um, which I thought was an interesting way to, to divide those out because they still came up with a bunch of different mechanics, but it was just the way that they were presented that, that they were being um, sort of segregated for. Did you play a bug puncher game? I forget what it was called. I don't know. There was, there was Black Box, Widow. Was boxing Bugs. Oh, Black Widow's good. Yeah, that one was fun. It's like the twin stick shooter where there were the there was the web that yep. was the sort of background of the screen but at certain points like some segments of the web were passable were by you and not red. the enemy and yeah. vice versa so there was i think there were like white ones where it was you could either you or enemies could cross in either direction there were green ones which where i think you could cross but the enemies couldn't and then there were maybe red ones where you could move inward but not outward and i think those didn't necessarily block enemy progress at all hmm. so it was these sort of subtle mazes that were different for they were they were asymmetric so they you had different sort of constraints it might have been randomly generated too yeah it might have been it would just pick segments of the web to to set to these different states yeah and then you would shoot enemies and they would drop little dollar signs which the game called grub grub stakes yeah you tag grub stakes (laughs) for points that's what it says on the on the instruction screen tag grub stakes for points yeah i was like huh it was pretty fun but i was like the theming on this is weird there's a lot of spider-related video games for some reason. Spiders rule. Yeah. I played a, another vector game was, was uh, Quantum, which is an early Atari game. Uh, there's an there's a iPhone game that I played that was very similar to this. It's called Dr. Awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're, just, you're, you're like encircling regions of the screen, which then sort of lock it off. And you have like a tra- you you just have a cursor that you're moving around and it has a tracer that has a certain amount of time yep. basically. And so you you move and you have a tail behind you and if you intersect with your own tail anything that is in the loop that you've made you score. Right. There was another I feel like there was a flash game 
yeah. that a lot of people where you were like circling butterflies or something. It was it was like a very like a very like little girl themed. I feel like that's a pretty sort of obvious type of mechanic to use with a pointing device, right? Like, you know, try to try to create regions that you if if your tail is intersected by one of the moving enemies that causes you to lose a life or something. Yeah, I mean it's um, like quicks with more freedom of movement. Right. Yeah. And you're not required to be contiguous <laughs> with the outside of the screen. So. I was uh I was watching people trying to do the whole screen and I don't know if they calibrated it it's such that that was basically impossible or not but like you would people would just sit there and try to spin the trackball real fast to try to just circle the whole screen yeah i don't know if it was time or distance it seems like yeah, I don't know. it seems I like don't controlling know. for the distance would of be the easier. tail would be mm. more yeah. realistic more reasonable yeah um what else panic park have you ever did you ever play that no i didn't uh, even see that this so time. that is a one or two player game you you get these i don't know how to describe them you get you you hold onto a lever and you're the if, if you're playing with two players which is how i played it the other person also has like sort of a a staff or whatever lever that you hold on to they're both upright and you're just mo- controlling your player's movement it's like an endless oh, yeah, runner yeah, yeah. You but have... running forward and right there's the two controllers but they're on the same axis yeah. so if you push real hard to the left the guy to the left of you has to push real hard to the right to stay in the same place. Yeah, you're interacting with the other player. I thought you were saying this is still a vector game. No, this was like a a weird, like, 90s arcade game. Yeah. Like... Very, very interesting mechanic because it's it's physically, like, it's, it's a challenge of strength in some ways with the person that you're next to because you're... There's all these obstacles that you need to either, you know, there's things that you want to collect and holes that you don't want to fall in and stuff like that. So you can like push the other person into something and it's competitive. It's, you know, you're trying to be the last one standing and get the most points. And it, like, you know, playing it with Melissa, it was, it was pretty easy for me to be sort of in control because I'm just stronger than she is. We um, should have played that against each other yeah. because I feel like the one time we arm wrestled it was just a fucking Awful. 10 minute long deadlock <laughs> because we have identical strength that's why we're such good buddies yeah uh, what else um, Moonquake that was a game that you came up to uh, me and you were like that is, this is an example of why isometric games was it's isometric or, it's like quasi it's like grid games where the for square grid games where the square grid is presented on the diagonal are just inherently horseshit yeah pretty it was it was in a lot of cases it was hard to tell where i would be going or what was going on on the screen a lot of stuff was just hidden behind other stuff you couldn't tell what was going on um which it looks sometimes nice. it looks nice in screenshots yeah, and and there were places that they that they used that to relatively solid effect by hiding stuff behind there that you could see if you shot the platforms that were high up and they would collapse. But in some cases, it was just confusing, and because it was a joystick controller, but the movement was forty five degrees offset, it was hard to move where you wanted to each time because the joystick still wanted to naturally move, you know, up, down, east, left, and right. But you needed to move it diagonally to be sure of which direction. It didn't naturally want it. Didn't to move have it a. It didn't have a diagonally oriented joystick. It did not. That, that no. stinks. But I mean, most of those joysticks don't have an orientation. Like they are actually just analog. <sighs> yeah, I mean, 
maybe i think it, it's i think it this is a felt, mental i think it's a mental, mental construct but rather it, than a it okay. felt like and i feel like we talked about this an episode or two ago where it's like it is just easier for us as humans with the brains that we have to orient things in a grid up and down versus diagonally yeah Right. I mean, we have northeast, south, and west as the cardinal directions, it's, and that makes a lot of sense. It was hard it's for me really to arbitrary. predict with with accuracy when I moved the the joystick in the, you know, sort of diagonally northeast direction, which direction I would go. You know, yeah. either would I would I go the way that I'm trying to go, or would I go one of the ones on either side of it? You know, like it fucking was fucking NES games that did that were the worst because those did have directional the yeah. D pad, yeah. and so you just had no fucking idea. Like, yeah. ah, God, like. What was that? Uh, Solstice? I don't know. I've ever game, that. which was like, it was like about a wizard in a dungeon. It's like, that sounds cool, but nope. <laughs> Either Solstice or Equinox. One, I think maybe those were, one was the sequel to the other. Both garbage. Uh, and then the last game that I wrote, wrote about was uh, Fast Freddy. Did you play this? Yeah, that's the weird, like you're on a hang glider and you yeah. can flail your feet around to knock helicopters out of the yep. air. <laughs> I'm almost and sure that that. Planes. I am almost sure that a guy on a hang glider has never kicked a helicopter out of the air. That well, is the thing that has never happened. Okay, but but sometimes it was birds, and I'm I'm betting that Probably guys on hang gliders have kicked birds. Fuck, man! Did you see that video? This was a few years ago. There was a video of a guy who was parachuting, and a fucking eagle flies into his parachute and panics and just rips the shit out of the parachute and so the rest of it, he's got like a helmet camera and so it's like yo peaceful parachuting fuck an eagle fuck falling and no. it's fucking terrifying and the guy survived he like ends up you know he lands in a tree or whatever but like wow yeah that's fucked up that was a mess anyway fast freddy yeah this wouldn't happen to him uh you're <laughs> i think the point of the game was to fly around and collect the letters B O U N and S, not in that order necessarily, hmm. <laughs> to spell out bonus or right, bones. because you're trying to collect French bones. <laughs> um, but uh, it like it seemed like it would be a really dumb game, but the the gameplay was actually pretty compelling. Like it was challenging and rewarded, like learning the levels and gaining some skill. And I don't know, I, I enjoyed playing it for 20 minutes, whereas I thought I would just sort of try once or twice and give up what about you zach what have you been playing um i listened to uh i listened to this podcast i forget how i found out about this podcast but the guy who made gunpoint yeah and somebody who writes for pc gamer and some other guy have are they're they're doing a uh video games podcast didn't the guy who made gunpoint used to work for pc gamer yeah i think he did. so he, he um, retired i think it's called crate and crowbar okay and it's fucking great yeah so like you listen to British dudes and you think those dudes are smart and they talk about video games and you think the things that those dudes are saying about video games is smart and uh, on the second episode they, they just sort of were talking about some you know games that were of interest to them and I played I, I bought one game from Steam that, that one of them said was cool and then I, lo- I played the demo of another game and the first one the one that I bought was called Cargo Commander which is you are like a salvage operator. It's 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 a side scroller. It's in 3D, but it's like that sort of two and a half D. Like the gameplay is 2D, the presentation is 3D. You are this dude on like a salvage spaceship. It's a square, and the way that the way that it operates is that you like warp into a sector of space, and then you turn on this magnet, and it just these other ships that are randomly generated 
grids of rooms just like slam into your ship and knock a chunk of it off and then that's the doorway that you go through to get into that ship but you have to sort of like go through the vacuum of space to to do it and you can just leave the ship but you have a limited amount of oxygen you have a drill that lets you basically destroy any wall so okay. you can kind of make your own paths through these things there are like crystals that generate enemies and you can shoot the enemies and then there's just cargo that you're collecting and that's how you get all your upgrades you you buy well that's not that's not how you get all your upgrades that's how i don't know what you get for that you get progress through the game for that okay. the way that you get your upgrades is by collecting hats from like your previous fallen foes which i get your your sort of fallen comrades which i think is a kind of a quasi multiplayer oh, aspect huh. right like maybe there are like ghosts of other people who've died in sure. the ship with the same design with the same seed or whatever um, or I think are they get, the things that you are slamming into? You get some hats uh, when you uh, kill monsters, I think. And then you can just use those to buy, like, make your drill get through a wall faster. So that's like, just huge oxygen. for your mobility. Yeah, you can, you know, like, have an emergency oxygen supply so you can be out in space huh. faster. But it's just like, you know, it's rogue. Their point on this podcast was that, like, this is a roguelike that kind of makes sense. Like, the narrative supports randomly generated levels because you are just collecting random derelict spacecraft mm. full of stuff right it's not like right yeah um and this other game called the iconoclasts which riff have you heard of this i don't think so it is i guess it i think there's a mac demo too but it is it kind of reminds me of that shantae game okay. the 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 metroidvania that was I, I don't know where it was originally, but you can get it on uh, you could get it on the DS eShop, where it's it is a it is a side scrolling platformer Metroidvania style where you have like a, you know you've got a gun and then you've got this wrench with which you can interact with certain environmental things to like open doors and there's just like sort of puzzly traversals of levels and Metroidvania combat and just like real cute art style and uh, yeah I don't know it's just a game that's in development. That is pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, so Cargo Commander and the Iconoclast. And then I've also just been continuing to play fucking Devil's Attorney. I beat Devil's Attorney right after the podcast last week. And then I looked at the achievements that I hadn't gotten, and it was like, oh, well, I guess I'll play it on hard mode. Oh, wow. And hard mode is basically the same game, except that you have one fewer action point to spend on your abilities every round, and you have half as many hit points. Huh. And it is still so fucking great i am so i am so pleased with and impressed by the the tightness of the design of this game like it just like rpgs with small numbers man like that's where it's at that is where it is at huh. and i am like i have not yet actually investigated to see if these dudes have made any other games but i will from now on any game that these dudes make, I'm just going to buy because this is so fucking So if they, if they capitalize on this, they just need to make a small game for a million dollars. Yeah, exactly <laughs> how much money I have, and then they charge that much for yeah. it. I'm not going to buy a game for a million dollars. I don't have a million dollars, Kevin. Okay. Um, but that's it because I spent all of my time uh, playing the assignment. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So before that... What's in the news, Kevin? Well, uh, let's see here. We got uh, a, f 
a story about Phil Fish. Um, so he's had a history of being harassed on the internet because he is uh, prone to um, saying things that get people to react. Um, and I guess the the inciting event in this particular little drama was... What's what's the guy's name? The Marcus angry, Beard. Yeah, Didn't we talk about this gamer. last week? I don't... I don't know. It only happened five days ago, so I don't know huh. if we no, did. I guess we couldn't have then. Um, I mean, maybe... Well, he might have... So he might have been getting upset last week, but, but the thing that happened was that he basically had a meltdown mm-hmm. and... Uh, said that he's leaving the gaming industry. This is Phil Fish leaving the gaming industry, and uh, um, Fez Two is canceled. And I don't know if that's going to bear out to be true in the long run, but in the short run, it has spawned a lot of discussion about what the environment is like for people who are putting a lot of themselves into things that they create and put that put on the internet. You know from from all kinds of different walks of like you know artists and musicians and authors and I mean I for game one designers I'm glad that this is taking up some of the bandwidth that feminist issues had been taking up before because this is more important because it affects me <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I mean the, I guess the, the inciting event was was just there was a rumor that I guess we talked about the we talked about that a little bit because the yeah, the rumor was that the Xbox One was going to allow sort of more indies um, to self publish yeah, and, and, and then, more publishing yeah. control for indies. and then they asked they asked, they a asked bunch of Phil devs. Fish and Jonathan Blow like what do you think about this and they were both like there's no details like we don't yeah we we don't have you anything can't to think say. anything about this and so they got derided for not responding. It, well, not not like having any meaningful commentary, and they were like, "What is your fucking problem? Don't be such a dick." Um, I mean, part of the problem is that like it doesn't take anyone. Like we are video games journalists, right? right. I guess qualified to do that. Like we could ask somebody a question and then say something that was mean about them, and you know, some number of thousands of people would hear us say something mean about them. And then maybe they would hear it and get upset. Like, sure. we could do that. Like, but why doesn't we? Well, and also, why would anybody listen? Why would anybody think that it meant anything? Because it doesn't, right? Like, sure. It's ga- entertainment. Like, games journalism is not. People don't like. A games journalist is not the same as a real journalist, right? A games journalist is the same as somebody who writes for Entertainment Weekly or TMZ, right? Because (laughs) it's like the the only thing that is there is the human interest story because none of this shit is actually important, right? This is just a branch of the meaningless diversions that we use to forget our eventual Impending death. Doom. Like it's, <clears throat> I I wonder. Like people, consumers want to know whether they should spend money on things, right? So that's that is one way in which games journalism and reviews are a way of, you know, curating that that content overload that's out there. But 
Yeah, hell, I don't know. I think right now there's no reasonable division between games journalism and games criticism. Right. Right? And, you know, the book section of Entertainment Weekly is different than the things that are getting published in English departments right. at universities. And with video games, there's it's like this weird growing pains kind of thing where there is there is a bunch of overlap between thoughtful things being said about video games and then just like people trying to get page views right to generate ad revenue and and it's you know it's a bunch of gross shit is going to happen like you know we just decide at our peril to not participate and so nobody buys our games and <laughs> right. you know if we were actually going to be successful like Phil Fish we'd have to put ourselves out there to the point where more people would call us pretentious french canadian assholes <laughs> Yep. I mean, they'd be wrong. We've never even been to France, Canada. France, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Bacon. Uh, let's see here. Neil Gaiman uh, has announced uh, that he is going to be making a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, you played the game by those dudes, right? The flibbertigarium of Professor Fiddly Sticks? Oh. Uh. The imagine- imaginarium <laughs> of Dr. Parnassus or whatever? If, no, twi- PB Figginbottom or something. PF, yeah, PF, PF Changbottom. Bottoms. Yeah. Riff, come on, help I, us out here. I, I, I think Winter PF bottom. Winterbottom was the game. PF Winterbottom. Yeah. PB I don't think Winterbottom. I played that one. PB. I always confuse it with that one that was on the DS, where you're playing the platformer game on the top screen and the Tetris Henry Hats Henry Hatsworth. Yeah, yeah that. That's one not there. that at all. Uh, so I mean, it sounds like it's gonna be what, like a like a haunted house from the '90s. That's also funny. It's like a ghost who wants to kick out the people who are living there or something. Mm, like Beetlejuice, maybe. Yeah. So who knows? That sounds like it could be interesting. It's they're already pre-selling. They've they they put a site together that is basically like a homegrown Kickstarter. It's got yeah. you can pre-purchase the game for ten dollars and you can have dinner with Neil Gaiman for ten thousand. You know, it's very much like a Kickstarter backer tier situation. Uh, the new Humble Bundle launched um, with a bunch of Saints Row games and the Dead Island games. Um, that one's structured a little differently. That's the uh, there's the you know the standard sort of games for any price, then a couple more games for if you pay above the average. But then they also have their most recent sort of AAA release if you pay more than twenty five dollars. Which I've never seen in a humble bundle before, with a like a, a defined price point, well above averages or whatever. Um, and I'm curious how that's going to play out. I wonder if that's going to actually cause them to bring in a ton more money or not. Um, the uh, the Shadow of the Eternals Kickstarter relaunched um, recently. Um, so I guess that was they had originally asked for 1.3 million dollars back in may and when it became very clear that they were not going to fund that they canceled in early june and then they just relaunched like maybe a week ago and they asked for like 700 grand and it looks pretty clear that they are not going to get that Hmm. and so i'm curious whether they will i have an idea for what they should do. Just not make another Kickstarter. Well, no, they should cancel it and ask for 300 grand. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then they could probably, do, they could probably make 300 that, 
Like basically, they should just put Kickstarter out of business by wasting all their bandwidth. I mean, I really want a new Eternal Darkness game. Well, I mean, really, what I guess I want is to just play Eternal Darkness. <laughs> just play Shadow of the Colossus and okay, Colossal Darkness. Okay, and that'd be the same thing, right? Um, yeah, and then Activision slash Blizzard is uh, buying itself back from Vivendi, kind of. Um, I don't exactly understand why companies buy or sell themselves at all. I guess you sell your company to make a bunch of money for the individuals in the company, but then... And then you buy it to make a bunch of money for the individuals in the company. Yeah. Like, you're, you're spending a bunch of money to, to have ownership of the company, but, and theoretically that means more of the profits for you. So if you believe, if you believe that your portion of the company is going to do better than the big sort of parent company does, then you could buy yourself back. Right. I mean, you're betting, you're, you're betting that the performance is going to be better than the overlords are betting, right? right. I mean, Tobold's theory is that that means that Bobby Kotick knows something awesome is coming out of Blizzard. He's like, this confirms. The fact that Bobby Kotick <laughs> is putting his own money into buying their way back out of Vivendi confirms that Titan is going to be rad. But didn't they just restart <laughs> yeah. on Titan? Yeah. So, who knows? I mean, I don't... I am not worried about the future of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm pretty sure that they're going to come up with something and they're going to be okay. Do you... Do you have any thoughts about Activision's side? Like, their Call of Juarez? Call of Duty? Call of whatever? I don't even actually know which other things Activision makes. I'm sure they're making a ton of money. Hmm. I think, I think, they, might, I think they make the Call of Duty games. Right? So those are two, two big... We're journalists. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't do any of the main console stuff, We're so I'm, like, so way out of, the, of that half of the scene i mean we fill a different niche though right like we are primarily pc gamers and we are also developers so we've got that kind of perspective we're we're doing our own thing mm-hmm. just like always yeah uh, anybody yeah. want to buy us yes <laughs> so that we can buy ourselves back later yeah, that seems like a good idea <laughs> for 10 cents on the dollar that's the news this assignment Riff. Yeah, how far did you get Riff? I, instead of playing more of it, I watched an LP. And I'm kind of glad I did because this game buries the lead really badly. And if I had, if I had gone on and played through Saudi Arabia, I don't think I would have made it to the bits after that where it actually opens up and gets cool. Huh. Because everything, everything before, everything before you get to... Uh, your choice of Moscow or Taipei or Italy was, I just found it so boring and as brown as a sepia tint photograph that I, huh. I never would have bothered to, to, to finish through that part of the game. Huh. Because like you like games where you sneak around and then shoot dudes from a distance. And I was like, you could totally play this game just like you like playing all of these stealthy roles. Yeah. All the other, all the other games that I play like that though have, have more to it than that and they're in interesting like environments and there's there's stuff going on 
I mean, do you think the environments in Alpha Protocol are more boring than the environments in Skyrim? I mean, one is fantasy yeah, and one is... Definitely the Saudi world. Arabia bits are. I mean, once huh. you got out of there, like, the guy's yacht was pretty cool and, and stuff, but... Uh, it had an arcade. Un- until yeah. that... Yeah, yeah. And until that bit, it was just... Ugh. None of those games were playable. That was disappointing. Yeah. Well, uh, what did, how did, did you guys finish it? What did you think? I, I finished it. Kevin is, tried real Kevin hard. is too slow. Uh, Dear God, I'm slow. And you're, Kevin is, Kevin is where I was about an hour before I finished it. So I'm guessing that Kevin has nine hours of gameplay left. Uh, in order yeah, to I've got, it. I've got probably a couple hours left. So I feel like we can't really talk about this. We can't talk about the ending. Because we can, you talk, about, we can it. talk about a lot of the choices that are made along the way. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious how much the choices that you make actually impact what happens and how much of them are just revealing to you more of a larger objective truth hmm. of the game. Yeah, I feel like I've got, I'm getting more and more of a handle on what is theoretically going on, but maybe not, right? Like in classic, you know, spy thriller story notions there's nobody is quite what they seem to be yeah you don't you don't like hear about a story in which some of the things are not what it seems (laughs) it's like always nothing is what it seems or everything is what it seems and this isn't actually a story so much as just a mirror yeah everything is reversed left to right uh yeah i don't know how much of the story changes it definitely seemed apparent from what I was watching, that you you gain or lose access to side missions or more dossier information or, you know, dudes who will sell you weapons. But there's like nothing that, the nothing that you can go, do determines whether or not someone is a double agent, right? Like, they are or they aren't, and you either yeah, find out it, or you don't. I think that's true, yeah. Do you... Well, I guess that's the yeah. Okay, so so there is an objective truth, but but knowing whether they are or not can have a significant impact on how the story unfolds for you. Right. Yeah. Um, and like, if you let the bomb go off in Rome, say, because you go and rescue Scarlet, I feel like that's going to have a potentially Madison. significant impact, right? You rescue Madison. Madison, sorry, not Scarlet. Yeah. Um. I have. I just. That would have been I, pretty good if it turned out that the one of you rescued Scarlet and the other one rescued Madison, and we just proved whether or not the game actually well, I think changes. The ending, the ending is very different depending on what happens, and that's okay. the. But I mean, I think we determined that Madison dies no matter what, right? Like you well, cannot. She, you can rescue her, but I think she she is miserable if you do. But she she disappears from the plot no Does matter she? what. Like right? I mean, she I, doesn't, I don't know. I didn't do. I didn't go that down that path. Yeah. I mean, I just let her die. I I chose you thousands chose. of innocent civilian museum goers over this one girl that I accidentally didn't fuck. That's pretty funny. You get a perk. You get a perk. You get extra endurance. Okay, sorry. Okay, so for not fucking this girl, you get a perk that's extra strength in your right arm. It, you're a gentleman, yeah. it says. I don't, I don't know what that does. Uh, so I was convinced, and I don't, I, I'm guessing this is not true, that uh, 
each of the three character classes was able to resolve the major binary choice of each branch because they had some sort of way to over, over overcome it because the very first binary choice I had to make was in Moscow because I did Moscow first and it was like am I going to go for Albert you know to rescue Albatross or am I going to get the data and because I was a technician I was able to do both um, did you get the option on that rotary on that radial to said, do both it said yeah it said technician oh and I was huh. like okay so I chose that and it was like he was like wait a second just do this so that we can do both things she's like oh okay and so then you go and you do both things huh um, I did a custom character class and so I probably never got any of those options well and that's what I was wondering is is there is do the other character classes have similar options but for I mean I wonder if like veteran get like if recruit gets none of them but then once you've beaten it as recruit veteran gets all of them that'd be neat veteran yeah. does get a bunch I kind of wish that I had played on recruit because you know the combat was I played on easy so the combat was just fucking trivial like oh, I really? just like most of my time was just like alarms going off guess I better run up and punch everybody <laughs> huh like there are a lot of cases where if I just walked up to somebody, I would just die. So uh, I, It was only when there were a lot of grenades or uh, fucking... I died... Marburg is a bitch. 50 times playing this game, 45 of which were in this one scene in the endgame. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> is there an annoying fucking mission in the... Like, you're gonna hate it because there's no way to hide. Like it's it's just it it just becomes this like absurd run and gun thing. Huh. In the end. Yeah, I'm not I'm not particularly psyched about the sound of that. Yeah. I I have gotten eighty or ninety percent of the way through the game. Have not killed anybody yet. Have not yeah. taken any damage. Still, I don't. You have, have to shoot down a helicopter. I don't know if you have to. I don't know if that counts as killing people in or not. I fucked up the entire game by killing those Marines that I did not know were. Oh, didn't know the American, American Marines. Huh. Uh, in that one mission, where everyone that you kill, you lose a point of reputation with Mina. Doesn't matter. You still fuck her. But it's just, and then also at the end, it's like, yeah, you can't. Like, you are going to go to jail if you don't... Were you supposed to sleep with C in Moscow? Was that, was that the option? I think... So that's, that is the only, like, difficult romance option. I read... I was reading about this. Like, that one relies on you doing... That is the only one that relies on you doing the three mid-game missions in a particular order. You can't do Moscow first? I don't know. Okay. It was it, one, one or the other. I mean... There is, there is a conversation that you have with Leland where he says something about the the women that you associate with and the inappropriate age difference and if you bring up sis he finds out about sis right. but if you don't you realize that he's talking about z right and that was interesting yes like i think a bunch of the things that you reveal or don't reveal to leland over the course of those interviews changes the things that will happen in the end game huh yeah, I mean, I kind of like that structure, but they also have to write those things so vaguely because they don't know what choices you're going to make or how you're going to get things to I think play it kind of makes the voice acting 
worse. Stilted. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I found out that my my favorite character is the guy that's voiced by Nolan North. Steve, the, Stephen Hack is is the crazy Nolan guy. North. Yeah, he was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you get there's a point at which I don't know if you saw this on your Let's Play, but you can reply to one of his emails playing along, and your reply is just straight out of Time Cube. I did yeah, see that. Yeah, yes. I, it's, I, yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's like the, the four corner Earth and that, thing. Yeah, and that's that. Like doing that, just like sending him as crazy a shit as possible is what just makes him love you. Yeah, and <laughs> I got like, like plus two or three reputation yeah, with him. No, for it's that. it's fucking great. And it, I mean, it sucks that like. Playing with him makes it hard to not kill dudes because he just fucking kills dudes left and right. Yeah, but if you're fast, you can get to a lot of them yeah, before he yeah. shoots them down. But yeah, yeah that was but annoying. It's, it's, he's just such a good character. I'm pretty. Like, I'm pretty sure people that he kills don't count against they you for don't. Your orphans. They don't. don't. But I. I also tried really hard just to not have anyone die around okay. me. Is it ever confirmed? That that guy works for anybody? No, no, well, not not to this point. So fucking great. <laughs> that's so great. As so, again, I mean, I talked about this last week. There, I had this idea from the internet that there was just something wrong with this game, but I don't think there was anything wrong with this game. I think it was fucking it, great. There are numerous bugs that have driven me nuts, but that's only because I'm trying to push things pretty far. But I didn't get to the end of this game and think uh, there was a point where they just gave up. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that. other people were aware of some ambitions that this game proclaimed and then didn't meet. And That's the all fact that the fact though, that right? I didn't know anything about it going in, except that there's this vague sense that people on the internet are upset with. You know, there was never a sequel to it, which means that it couldn't have been all that successful. And you know, that kind of sucks. Right, because I don't know that, like, Mass Effect really has anything to say about the world, right? Wait a second. And Who's to say that there isn't a sequel to Alpha Protocol, right? Because maybe they did make a sequel, but it's under some completely different name because it has... <laughs> right, right. They don't want to... They they, they've just disavowed... The studio just disavowed any connection with the progenitor of the series. Yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah. In fact, Dragon Age was <laughs> Alpha Protocol 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, we've 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 placed Mike in this weird <laughs> virtual reality simulator, and it's going to be like, I guess, Assassin's Creed. Sure. Yeah. But it's, you know, you know. I have, so I have come around. I, I went from being pissed off and hating the game to, like, just feeling like a freaking ninja. Because as you finally get a bunch of points in stealth and espionage you get to you just you feel like a superhero going through doing stuff it's great and you, but and pistols are super overpowered i pretty much indiscriminately <laughs> killed people in saudi arabia and in the beginning of moscow and then switched to non-lethal once it became like sort of systemically practical for me to do so yeah they make it really hard early on yeah and which that's, sucks that's a little rough right i mean that's that kind of like front loading the the challenge to the point where it's like, well, maybe not killing anybody is supposed to be a weird optional thing that I just do because I want to, as opposed to a thing that the game really. Supports. You were yeah, you were convinced early on that it just wasn't supported at all, and the, I mean some of the boss fights, like I mean the boss fights, you just use all of your super lethal stuff because you know that getting them down to like five percent of their health is just going to trigger a cut i didn't know that at first when i was fighting sis the first time i it took me freaking forever and then when i finally 
was like, oh, fuck this. I'm just going to shoot her until like, she's dead. And then it didn't actually kill her. I was like, yeah. oh, God mm-hmm. damn it. Like that was super frustrating to me. So that was an interesting character that then just sort of never appeared again. And yeah. it didn't, that, was that, that- was that because we did them in a weird order? Because I got some information about her in Taipei, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I had huh. done that first, would things have gone differently? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I had, I was sort of allied with everybody yep. the entire Nobody, time. Nobody, I have, I have, I don't have any negative reputations at this point. I'm, I'm at the very, at the very worst, I'm zero neutral. Yeah, even the, even the body, even the, the, Marburg. Halliburton bodyguard guy is he likes you even though it's I mean I don't yeah, think I, have, I, am, I don't I think have there's any way to not kill friendship with you don't Marburg kill him like you can apparently I, that, can I, when you? I was, yeah because I was stuck on I was stuck on something and looked something up and like there is a way to do it you have to have a bunch of prerequisites to kill him because huh. he just he got away from me he, yeah yeah he's I mean it's hard you have to have you have to have a negative reputation with him you have to have done like three or four other things mm. where you can actually like actually kill him and you have to like know like the secret fact about him which you then use in a conversation option to like get him really angry and then you can kill him oh it's yeah that's pretty cool yes apparently like i i what i want to do is i don't want to play through it again because i you know i don't have another two days of life to do it but <laughs> um i do really kind of want to see like a some sort of branching diagram or yeah, like a list of all I the different narrative didn't have stuff. a lot of luck finding that. What does the Alpha Protocol wiki not? Well, it's got a bunch of stuff. I mean, help. it's got it's got like lists of of the endings, okay. which are, you know, I think there are a bunch of subtle variations that, like, I think what you want is you want to see all of the scripts. Yeah, kind of that they made and and look at it that way, which is not a thing that you're going to find hmm. on the internet, right? Like you Sucks. would find it if on you, you maybe you could maybe you could get Chris Avalon drunk. I not saying that guy drinks, but maybe in in one possible world you could get Chris Avalon drunk and convince him to give you the give you the, the codes, code. the codes to the shitty entertainment mainframe. Yeah. I had a I had a lot of fun yeah, me playing too. this game. Like it's I'm I am glad that we did this as an assignment, and I'm glad that I stuck with it because you know it was like I use these assignments as a way of tricking me into playing the games that I know that I should play, and I don't know I I liked it. Yep, I'm I'm glad I played it. I'm glad that you made me play it. I've been enjoying watching it. <laughs> did you watch all the way through it? No, the guy the the guy. Uh, the way he's doing the LP is he did like the first couple of missions in Moscow and then moved to Rome and then did a couple of missions there and moved to Taipei. So he's been kind of yeah. going all around it. So I guess that was a good choice because I got to see a wide range of the environments. But I wonder he if that's how you're supposed to He hasn't gone completely too. through any particular yeah, city yet. That's an interesting way to do it because you get you level up a lot, right? So you end up you end up better equipped oh, yeah. to deal with the harder, the harder missions. Stuff. Whereas I just did Moscow from beginning to end and then Taipei from beginning to end and then Rome from beginning to end. Yeah. I did I did Moscow, Rome and then Taipei. Yeah. Huh, interesting. You you just you fuck yourself in the end if you've ever killed any innocents or any Americans. That's fascinating. It's weird. Like, and I mean I guess that makes sense, but it's just like I didn't know that the guys guarding 
this place in Moscow were American soldiers. The, the embassy or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. But I'm not going to, like, go back and play through it again, not right. killing anybody. Especially not going back to the beginning. Jesus. Because yeah. for a while, it was impractical to not kill anybody. I mean, I, I just made it into a video game when you were making it into a bad, good game. Right. You know? And... Then by the time you know it was, it was too late, those had already orphaned. I've seen too much. I'd already orphaned all those poor <laughs> marine babies. Well, what are we doing for the next assignment, Riff? It's up to you. Uh, we're doing it'll do, which is spelled I T T L E D E W. Tell us about this game, Riff. I don't know shit it is, about it. It is an indie. Uh, um, it's sort of a Zelda-like, except there's not much overworld. It's pretty much all dungeons. Uh, and they're very puzzle oriented. I mean, there are monsters ro- roaming around that you have to kill, but the it's it's hardly at all action focused. It's all focused on the puzzles, and okay. they they're pretty interesting puzzles. I played through about half of it, and I suggested it for the assignment tonight because I realized that despite having played a bunch of it, I never uh, it never occurred to me to talk about it on the show, and I thought you guys would get a kick out of it. Because it's, okay. it's pretty good. The puzzles are, are well designed, um, especially once you get some of the later tools. And the, uh, the writing is really funny, and the art is cute. So, so it's, uh, it's good stuff. It's available on Windows and Mac, and you can get it on Steam as well. I think. I think it's like 13 bucks or something. Hmm. Is this our second most expensive game? It might be our ever. second most expensive game. Jeez. Yeah. We're uh, we're trying to funnel some cash into the indie scene. Apparently. I guess that's what we're doing. Uh, Kevin, if somebody wanted to funnel, funnel some cash into our indie scene, how would they go about doing that? Well, they could send us cash dirty. by a Twitter at VGHotDog. They could email us some cash, VGHotDog at gmail.com. I guess they could do that via Bitcoins. Or- sure. Uh, or they could... Uh, Send us a bunch of cash via our forum's secret drop box, which is uh, available at a link on our website, videogameshotdog.com. And yeah, they could upload it to the mainframe. Yes. On iTunes, where they... One thing I learned from Alpha Protocol reviews. is that somebody can just email you $4,000. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Downloading cash. Yep. That's about it. Cool. All right, guys. I've had a good time recording this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with y'all. Yeah, yep, me yep. too. And I hope that you've had a good time uh, recording this, this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with me. I'm tired and I'm going to go to bed. Okay. <laughs> good night, everyone. Good night. See you later. Oh, man. It's probably like 10 years ago now. Maybe, yeah, 10, 10 or 12 years ago. I actually, for Christmas one year, got... Uh, a few weeks of one-on-one calligraphy tutoring as a Christmas present. Wow. Huh. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> was it like a... Was it... Did, did Were you dating a girl who offered you a choice between a coupon, a, a coupon book for a bunch of blowjobs or a coupon book for a bunch of calligraphy lessons? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> it, was a, it was a Christmas present from my dad, so... Oh. Well, yeah. <laughs> so the choice was more obvious, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs>